Thanks for tuning in to the Link Church podcast. Link Church is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is committed to linking people to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. I believe right now that God is entering us into a great harvest season of miracles, and we're going to kick this series off today. John chapter 2, verses 1, we'll go as far as we can, maybe verse 10. And the word reads out of the New King James Version. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast, and they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said unto him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. We'll pause right there. Um, I'd like to speak from the subject today. Just add water. Just add water. You know, the gospel of John is my favorite gospel. It is my favorite gospel because it's not a synoptic gospel, meaning that it does not chronologically follow the life of Jesus, as does Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John stands alone because it is John's intention to reveal something about Jesus that the other writers do not emphasize on. They may briefly touch on it, but John's whole intention is to reveal that Jesus is, in fact, God. That Jesus is not just a a carpenter. He is not just a rabbi, a great teacher. He is not just a miracle worker. He is not just a prophet, but Jesus, in fact, is God. That's why John begins his gospel by saying, in the beginning was the word. He begins to paint the picture. That you can connect the dots between God and Jesus. And he says that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He goes on to say in verse 14 that that same word became flesh. Mm -hmm. The, The word that was God became flesh. Which means that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory that is of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. And so John begins to connect the dots within the brain, the mind of the reader, to let the reader know that Jesus is God. 
Mm -hmm. that, that God saw it so personal and saw it to be so critical that he would have to come down in the womb of Mary and wrap himself in flesh and be God. And so John opens up in chapter 2 with a miracle. Yeah, he opens up with a miracle because a miracle is not just the, the power of God. But the purpose of a miracle is to offer a sign. Yeah, it's to offer a sign. It's to show uh, the reader or show the person that encounters the miracle that there is something that is nestled within the miracle. That, that we shouldn't just get so overwhelmed by the power, the fanfare, and the flair of the miracle. But we have got to see the sign. What, what is Jesus trying to say? And, and so John has seven signs in his gospel that point to the fact that Jesus is God. And I'm not going to go into all seven signs today. But the first miracle that is recorded by Jesus on earth is the miracle done at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. And what is John's intent? John's intent is to show that by turning water into wine, that Jesus, in fact, is the source. He is the source of life. He is the source of your strength. You cannot live. You cannot move. You cannot breathe without him. He is your everything and he is your source. How many are glad today that Jesus is your source? That, that your job is not your source, your paycheck is not your source, uh, 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 the stock market is not your source, your investments are not your source, but Jesus is your source. And, and, and somehow, some way, Christians have looked at this miracle and, and, maybe, have, and maybe have gotten confused a little bit by the controversy surrounding this miracle. And because of the controversy surrounding this miracle, we as Christians will rather argue about whether Jesus, in fact, did turn water into wine. Maybe it wasn't wine. Maybe and perhaps it was, it was like a wine cooler. Yeah, it wasn't all the way. It was just a little bit. Maybe it was just like 5% proof because, because or, or maybe it was grape juice because, because we, can, we can connect with a grape juice Jesus, but we can't connect with the Dom Perignon Jesus, right? We, we, we can't connect with the Jesus that turned water into wine because Jesus would often do things that are beyond your ways and beyond your thinking. But when we get caught up in the contrary, Controversy, we miss the miracle. We miss the miracle. And Mary, Mary is at this wedding. She's at this wedding. Jesus is at this wedding. And his disciples are at this wedding. Now, what is so awesome about this story is that when I first look at it, I see a crisis. I see a crisis because Mary turns to Jesus and she says, they have no water. They have no water. Mary is in a crisis. And a crisis is a crisis to those that feel it. Mm -hmm. A crisis is not a crisis to those that don't feel it. A crisis is only a crisis to the person that it impacts. 
Mm -hmm. And so Mary is in a crisis. She's at a wedding and they've got a wedding crisis. And anybody that has ever been in a wedding or have gotten married or has perhaps paid for a wedding or perhaps have been involved in some aspect or another in a wedding, you know about a wedding crisis. Yeah, because most weddings don't go on without a crisis. Yeah, I remember my own crisis in my wedding. I could probably list about five or ten, and my wife probably has 50. And, and, and I remember this crisis very vividly. I'll never forget it. It was the morning of my wedding. And I got a call on my phone, and I looked at my phone, and the caller ID was the, call, was the phone number of the limo driver. And I said, oh, man. I don't even know. I can't even pick up this call right now because I know what this guy is about to tell me. He's about to tell me how he can't get to me on time. And he's going to make me late for my wedding. And I cannot be late for this wedding. It's one thing if the bride is late. But if the groom is late, everybody's nervous, right? Oh, oh, oh. Something's going on if the groom is late. The bride could be late all she wants. And, and I pick up the phone, and he proceeds to tell me. You know what he tells me? He doesn't tell me what I think he's going to tell me. He tells me something worse. He tells me that the limo has broken down and that he won't be able to get me at all. So, so I'm out of a limo. And, 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 and it's great that I am the type of guy that I am where I, I picked out two limos. I picked out two limos, not because I had money, but just because I wanted to ride in style. So I had this whole plan where the bridal party would be in one limo and me and my new bride, we get to be in our own limo. And of course, our limo is broken down and we've got to ride with the bridal party. Now, now to some people, that's not a crisis. But to me, that's a crisis. I got to sit here with my new bride holding her hand and I got a six-year-old ring bearer looking at me dead in my face. Like, like why am I holding my bride's hand? And, 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 and I, I wanted a little bit of privacy. Not that anything was so much was going to go down in the limo, but just because as, as, a, as a man just, just thinking about having your own limo with your bride. I was in a crisis. And Mary is in this crisis, and, and, and she realizes that they have run out of wine. Now, we must deduce from this that Mary and, and Jesus and the disciples somehow must have been connected to the people in the wedding or, or the family of the wedding, or else it would not have been a crisis for her. Mm -hmm. So it must have, she must have had some kind of connection to the people in the wedding. And, and so we must understand that first and foremost, you cannot have a miracle without a crisis. 
Mm -hmm. You must first have a crisis. And I want to talk to people today that are in a crisis. If you're not in a crisis, then I've got bad news for you. You don't need a miracle. But, but if you're like me, and if you're in some kind of crisis, then you need a miracle from God. We often feel like we want to have a problem-free life. As Christians, we want a problem-free life. We want an issue-free life. But I have news for you. If you have a crisis-free life, then you will end up having a Jesus-free life. Mm. Mm -hmm. A problem-free life equates to a God-free life, which means that you won't have God if you don't have a problem. Oh, yeah, I feel that one. It, it, the only place and room that is created for God to operate is a crisis. And if you have it all together and if you have everything going well, then you don't need God. Mm -hmm. But your problem creates a place for God. Your problem creates a room for God to operate. And your situation is just an opportunity for God to show his power in your life. And I wish I was talking to some folk today that were in a crisis. And saying, God, I need you to show up now. God, I'm in a crisis and I need a miracle and I need a miracle right now. How many people in here don't need a miracle next year? You don't need a miracle five years from now. You need a miracle right now. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I need a miracle. Yeah, yeah, I need a miracle because if I don't get this miracle, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. This situation cannot be fixed by my mother. This situation can't be fixed by my daddy. This situation can't be fixed by a promotion. There is no check that can solve this. The only way that this crisis can be resolved is for Jesus to step in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got to do it. If he doesn't fix it, it won't be fixed. Yeah. That, that's a crisis. I'm not talking about when you skin your knee. I'm not talking about when you just uh, scrape your toe or buck your toe or hit your toe. I'm talking about a real life crisis. And, and, and so we in Christian circles have perhaps misunderstood miracles. Because maybe miracles are more common than we think. Perhaps we have mystified miracles, or we have, we have made miracles to be magical. Perhaps we have made miracles to be spooky, if you will. That if there is no flair, if there is no fanfare, if there is no magic, then it's not a miracle. If you don't see the Red Sea part in your life, then it is not a miracle. 
if you don't see God take two fish and five loaves of bread and feed the multitude, then you feel like you don't get a miracle. Because as Christians, we often look over the fence and seeing other people get blessed. And we say, God, why don't we get a miracle? It's because we have made miracles to be magic. To be mystical, to be spooky, and to be uh, uh, to come with a lot of fanfare. But but a real miracle doesn't have to come with a poof. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to come with a bang. But but a real a real miracle could could be right up under your nose. Yeah. Maybe the devil has convinced you. That, that you're not a miracle. Oh, oh, I wish I had help today. Maybe somebody has convinced you that your life is so mundane and meaningless, seemingly, that, that you're not even a miracle. But if you will look closely in your history, you would have to give God credit and praise For the fact that your very life is a miracle. Oh man. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But if I look back over my life and rehearse my history and what God has brought me through. I know that uh, the fact that I can lift my hands today. Open up my mouth and worship God in this auditorium is a testament to the fact that I am a walking, talking, living, breathing miracle. Yeah, you are a miracle. Yeah, because when you think about what he did for you last year. Oh, my God. You're a miracle. When, when you think about how he brought you out, when, when you were an addict, you are a miracle. When, when, when you think about the fact that he brought you out, when, when you were smoking it, and you realize today you're clean. It's because you are a miracle. No magic, no flair, no fanfare. You didn't get an article printed in a newspaper. No TV reporter interviewed you. You didn't go on Oprah. You didn't go on the Today Show to tell your story. There was no magic. But there still was a miracle. And I declare in Link Church today that God is releasing a season of miracles all over this house in the lives of those connected to Link Church. I declare and decree that miracles are coming to your house. It may not come with magic. It may not come with flair, but it will be a miracle. I prophesy to your situation that a miracle is coming to your house. God has ordained a season of miracles. Mary is in a crisis like we are in a crisis. And, and, and she goes to the one that can fix the crisis. Just like you do. You go to God because he's the only one that can fix your crisis. And, and so you go to him. And and Mary goes to him and she says, Jesus, they have no wine. Mary has a great concern. 
She is concerned because what happens is when you're in a crisis, a crisis causes you to be concerned. A crisis causes you to get concerned. Uh, A crisis will force you to get a little crazy. Yeah. When, When you're in a crisis, you'll start to make decisions that you shouldn't make. You, you start acting like Abraham because you're in a crisis and a crisis makes you concerned and it causes you to get crazy and you start making decisions that will produce Ishmael when God wants you to produce Isaac. Uh, uh, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. That's why you got to be careful when you're in a crisis because a crisis will cause you to be so concerned that you get crazy. Yeah, it it causes us to get a little crazy when we're in a crisis because 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 when we go to Jesus like Mary did, look at Jesus's response. Mary goes to Jesus and she says they have no wine. This is the problem, Jesus. This is a serious problem. And what are you going to do about it? And he says to Mary. What does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with me? Why is that my concern? My time has not come yet. What are you talking about, God? Your time has not come yet. You are eternal. You don't have a time. Whenever I call on you, you got to answer. What what is going on here? Mary is concerned and, and... What do you do when you're concerned, you're in a crisis, and Jesus is comfortable? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. What do you do when when you're in a concerning place, you're in a crisis, and Jesus is comfortable? Jesus goes silent. He he goes silent. What do you do when when Jesus goes silent? You pray and you cry and your tears become your pool upon which your head sleeps every night. And you're wondering, you're in a crisis and you're praying and you're fasting and you're doing everything you know how to do. You're concerned and Jesus is comfortable. Oh, man. You're concerned and Jesus is comfortable. It's like the children of Israel when they are in bondage and enslaved for over 400 years. Can you imagine the crisis? Can you imagine the concern of the children of Israel? And they cry unto God day after day. God, deliver me. And Jesus is comfortable. He's comfortable. How, how is God comfortable? How, how can God be comfortable at a time like this? God, I don't want you to be comfortable. I'm sorry. This is not the time for you to be comfortable. I'm down on my last dollar. I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this. You can't be comfortable right now. I, I, I'm in a crisis. And, and, and they're going through This crisis at the wedding and Jesus is comfortable. And what do you do when when Jesus is silent? And and maybe perhaps the answer is simply this, that, that Jesus is comfortable. God is comfortable because 
he knows what's going to happen. Maybe you're uncomfortable because you are actually unsure about the outcome. But because God does not see your situation from the beginning to the end. Rather, he sees it from the end back to the beginning. He sits in a place of comfort at the end. And he is not worried. He is not afraid. He is not concerned because he knows how the story ends. And, 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 and the place you've got to get to. Is a place where you are no longer concerned about what you are facing and going through. But you get comfortable because you realize that Jesus and God has you covered. This is a crisis and, 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 and there is no concern. There is no concern seemingly coming from Jesus, Mary says to him, they have no wine. He says, what does that have to do with me? I'm not concerned about it. My time has not come. But then Mary has a great response. She has a, a great response that, that we've got to take note of. And you've got to underscore it in your Bible. You've got to highlight it. She says to the servants, she doesn't address Jesus anymore. She says to, his, to the servants, she says, whatever he says to do, just do it. Yeah. Whatever Jesus says to do, just do it. Because Mary had enough experience and number two, enough expectation to know that Jesus could not help himself, but that he would have to do something about this. He, he would have to do something about this, that Jesus was not going to leave them hanging. She says to the servants, whatever he says to do, you've got to do it. And, and I want to raise your faith to a place where you can experience the miraculous power of God. When you can get to the place that says, whatever God you say to do, I am willing and able and ready to do. Uh, sometimes you miss your miracle because you say, God, I can't do that. That is too beneath me, God. God, I can't go there, God, because that's too far from me, God. God, I can't trust you in that area because, God, that's too difficult for me. But Mary says, whatever. He says to do, you have got to do it. And I need somebody in here that is ready for a miracle from God to get an expectation in your spirit that says, whatever you ask me to do, God, I'm willing to do it. God, I don't care how the blessing is going to come. I don't care which way the miracle is coming from. I just know that any way you bless me, Lord. I'm going to be satisfied. She has an expectation. You have got to, in this season, expect the miracle. Hmm. Expect the miracle. Nudge your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor. Mm -hmm. Nudge in a good time. Nudge him again and say, neighbor. Come on, really nudge him and say, neighbor. Uh, expect the miracle. You, 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 you have got to expect it. She raises her expectations and she says to the servants, whatever he says to do, 
go ahead and do it. And, and immediately Jesus responds because he's responding to her expectation. Hmm. And Jesus will often, God will often respond to your level of expectation. And, and, and Jesus tells the servants, I see six water pots over there. I see six jars of water over there. I want you to fill them. Just go fill them. Just go get some water. And put them in the water pots. Now, if you're going to make wine, the first thing you're going to get is not water. What's the first thing you're going to get? You're going to get some grapes. So can you imagine the look on the servant's face when Jesus, remember Jesus doesn't have a reputation yet. His following has not grown that much yet. And maybe the servants know about him. Maybe they don't. But can you imagine their face when he says, go get some water and fill the jars. And can you imagine they're moping? Man, why I got to get this water, man? I can't believe I got to get this water. What is water going to do? Why I got to get this water? Can you imagine they're going to the, to the well to get the water? Filling six water pots. Now notice that these were not just small little water pots or jars. These were, these were 20 to 30 gallons apiece. So they were huge stone jars that they used for their ceremonial washing. And, and they had to fill six of them. The Bible doesn't tell us how many servants there were. But they had to go get water. And perhaps... And Maybe God wants you to get water. Yeah. You ready for wine, but God is ready for water. Somebody's saying yes about wine too emphatically. Uh, 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 God wants you to stay on water. <laughs> don't, don't worry about the wine. I want you to get the water. And getting the water does not have any, any real significance so much. You feel like you're just doing a task. And why do I have to get the water? You look at the water and you say, God, there's no wine in this. You look at the water and you say, God, there's no miracle in this. Why do you have me just getting water? God, why do you have me just going to this dead-end job day after day, week after week? God, why do you have me doing this mundane task? Why, why, God, do you have me serving in this low area? Why, God, do you have me just going after water? And why, God, do you just want me to fill the the water pot and just go for water? And when you look at water, water just seems like nothing. And, and you're trying to make wine, but all you have is water. Oh, my wife loves to bake and she loves to cook. But I guarantee you she couldn't bake and she couldn't cook if she didn't have all the ingredients. And God wants you to get wine out of water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How 
how do you get wine out of water? How do I get healing out of my sick child? How do I get abundance in my finances when I'm living paycheck to paycheck how can water how can wine come out of this water and I came to tell somebody that you should not diminish or minimize the water that you have been ordained to go and get because it's out of you getting your water that God is going to make the wine and if you stop getting water then he will stop giving wine but the more water you get is the more wine that he will produce oh when you look at your ministry it looks like water it does not look like wine when you look at your gifting it looks like water it does not look like wine but Jesus tells them to fill the water pots and some of you, you've been going 50% with your gift. You've been going 50% with what he has called you to do. And God wants you to fill it. Uh, which leads me to my topic that says just add water. Mm -hmm. that, that your issue is not so much the wine. Your issue is the water. Mm -hmm. Your problem is you can't get past the water stage because when you look out, you see water and you don't see wine. But I came for somebody mm, that needs to be encouraged that if you would just continue to add water, huh, then God will bring forth the wine because the wine is not your job. Your job is to get the water. Somebody slap your neighbor a high five and say neighbor just add water you don't have to go and try and make wine you don't have to get the grapes you don't have to stomp on it you don't have to ferment it you just gotta get the water because God's job is the wine and your job is the water because the battle is not mine the battle is the Lord's I feel my preacher rising up in here because God wants you to just add water add water to your finances add more water to your gifting add more water to your anointing add more water to your job when your boss chews you out and yells at you just add more water Order, because God will give you the wine yes, if you add the water. And, and I pause there in the story because, because I feel like that's where God has us. He has us at the water stage. We're looking for the miracle. Hey, hey, shaman, do shaman. Yeah, we're looking for the miracle. Yeah. Yeah, we, 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 we're looking for the wine. But God says, you just got to add more water. If you look closely at the text, they fill the water, not halfway, not three quarters of the way. They fill it to the brim. 
almost to the point where how would they be able to move the water pots because it was so full with water? You've got to keep filling so that your miracle will come to pass. And, 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 and it's so critical here because when you keep filling, then God will be able to use your water. And maybe he can't use your water yet because your water pot is not full. Oh, yeah, that's a word for somebody. He, he, he can't use your water yet. He can't draw it out and give it away because you're not full enough. And, and if he takes from what you have, he'll leave you empty. Oh, y'all not, not hearing me today. He, if he takes from the little water that you have right now, you think you could handle it, but you couldn't handle it yet because it would leave you empty. So, so, so he needs to fill you up. And then this is where I wanted to go, but it's not for today. And I'll just mention it at the end. What he does with the water is that he takes the water and he says, draw it out and give it away. Y'all could stand because I'm done. Just, just draw it out and then give it away. Draw it out and, and give it away. You see, the water, the purpose of it is that it must be given away. You have got to give your water away. Because when did the water turn into wine? Does anybody know? When did the water turn into wine? Was it wine in the water pot? No. It wasn't wine in the water pot. Was it, was it wine in the master of ceremonies cup? Yeah. So somewhere in between the water pot and the cup, water changed to wine. So what that tells me is that the miracle happens when you take from the water and you give it away. You give it away. You give it away. Link Church, we got to be generous. The blessing, the miracles will come when we are generous. If the water stays in the water pot, it remains water. But somebody out there needs to drink of the water you have inside of you. And when you give that water away, you think you're giving them water, but God is going to make it wine. I declare a season in this house that as we generously give away, as we generously sow, as we generously give our gifting away, as we generously worship God, as we generously give our heart away, that the wine will come forth. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information about Link Church, you can visit us on the web at www.linkchurchnc.org.